what is going on ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another edition of the jays for days podcast i'm josh he's josh we got jays jumpers jaron jackson jr's john ranch joe johnson's jaw rafts of course we've got jays we got for days josh how you doing it's been a little while battling the cold but other than that we're hanging in there you know there's always the you why can't we just enjoy the changing of the seasons without our noses being so confused Mm -hmm. it changes basically at the same time every year there's like a three-week window yeah get used to it why can't we just get over it that should be how it works right Absolutely. I, I, i certainly think so but yes i'm definitely in that point of the process where i wake up with a slightly stuffy nose every day so i apologize for my raspiness i guess we'll allow it we'll allow it that's fine but uh, yeah it has been a couple weeks since the kansas jayhawks defeated the north carolina tar heels for crying out loud in the national championship and we'll get to North Carolina here in a little while because this podcast is a lot about transfer portals. Not transfer portals, only one transfer portal, I guess, I suppose. So we're going to break down kind of where we stand on April 14th in terms of where some of the best players have gone, some of the best players that are still available. Armando Baycott is on his way back to UNC, which was certainly up in the air, but perhaps the you know second or third most especially in the tournament right um if not the first most dominant i suppose oscar shibway isn't allowed to be in that conversation when his team lost in the first round to st peter's um but the only guy ever to have six double doubles in six ncaa tournament games in the same season is on his way back to unc on his way back to play for hubert davis and it's a it's it's crazy what uh, going to the national championship can do for your for your program Funny how that works, but uh, we'll get to all of that here in this pod today. Did, did you see his video while we're on this? I saw the beginning of his video. But I was um, at the place of employment, so stopping to watch a video on the sales floor would not have been a good idea. So um, I did see that he was coming back. I did not see the video in its entirety it, it was just sneaky because his caption was forever a Tar Heel and then he was talking about how you know he he has this responsibility to come he's looking forward to coming and playing pickup and he's got this responsibility to go help the next group of players and all of that stuff and so I just kind of assumed we were getting an NBA draft goodbye you know thank you North Carolina thing and then in the middle he mm-hmm. just goes well I'm not ready to do that yet and I went mm. oh well played Armando Baycott Mm. I fully expect it because I just wanted to see you know I like seeing how appreciative guys are so I just wanted to see what he had to say and then all of a sudden he goes yeah I'm coming back I went oh <laughs> how long until he was like I'm coming back was it like so long that people might have clicked away before they got the punchline no I think it was in the middle more okay because he, he talked about kind of right the going to the national championship sort of unfinished business it, it wasn't like he kept it until the very very end but he just sort of built it a little bit as if it was going to be a goodbye and then it was a i'm coming back i so love it. it was it was very well pulled i love it um do you want to just continue talking about unc now or come back to it after? let's let's finish unc first and then we'll take a short intermission from transfer portal Pop. sure um so first i mean i, I picked a random NBA draft mock that was updated, you know, 48 hours ago, right before, uh, you know, so it would still have Baycott on the, on the list. Um, and one of the few, like actually 60 round, a 60 pick mock drafts, you know, a lot of them are just the first, the first round, but NBA draft not.net has Armando Baycott in the 41, 42, 43 range. Uh, specifically in this one going to New York. So um, a guy that, right, it's the conversation of do you just have to capitalize on where your stock is right now as a almost national champion? Or do you decide, right, because 
the fact of the matter is that the way that Armando Bacop plays basketball, he's just not, you know, he's destined for, if he plays 12 years in the NBA, it's probably in a backup center type of role. Like it's just not the kind of, you know, and we heard it a bunch in the NCAA tournament. It was, man, if Armando Bacop was coming out of the draft 15 years ago, he'd be a lottery right. pick lock. Specialist, now, specialist role. Yeah. Right. And now he's middle of the second round, which is admirable. And I would argue anybody who is clearly going to be an NBA pick playing the way that Armando Bacot does is is impressive because there are a lot of guys who are good at that that just that aren't really getting any buzz as an NBA draft pick. But it's a conversation here of does Armando Baycott's stock really get that much higher when it's not like he's a guy who has lots of athletic potential in the context of, hey, this guy could go from like late into the first round to, you know, the back half of the lottery. It's more of a like we know exactly what Armando Baycott is, but maybe it's just fun to come back to UNC and be a dominant force in college basketball again, especially if it's as long as you're healthy, your stock might not rise all that much, but it's probably not going to drop all that much either. Yeah. And the, the other part of this is he improved so much from a combination of him actually getting better, particularly with rebounding. Mm-hmm. That was something he focused, wanted to focus on and certainly did. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for Sheboy, that would have been one of the more impressive rebounding seasons we've seen in a while, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Right, but there was this huge jump he took for a variety of reasons. His own improvement, change of system, the one big with Brady Manic that allows him more space, all of the other bigs that do the same things he does, tra- transferring. So to me, there is a curiosity of what else can he add? Mm-hmm. if there's something that can maybe get him from second round to end of the first, but it is really fascinating. And we'll have to see how this plays out. There's not much more to say about it at this moment in time, but Coburn, Sheboy, Baycott, three of the best players in college basketball last year, all three, certainly it seemed like, or you could make an argument would be leaning toward going to the NBA, certainly Coburn. But it's not like any of them, and when, you know, we've talked about this before, but they're all in the same boat. It's not like you're, there's a guarantee there. Mm-hmm. So how does this, do all three of them come back? Do two or three of them come back? Because if that was a different position, those guys are gone. Right. But it's just a fascinating, this combination of having these really good bigs be the best players in college basketball and the NBA not looking for their skill set leads to some interesting decisions that have to be weighed and things that have to be weighed that it wouldn't be as difficult of a decision 15 years ago, or if it was a different kind of player, but we might get some incredibly gifted college basketball players coming back because as I think you, I don't think you might said this on the pod, but one day we're talking, you said, you know, I think you were talking about Chibo and said, well, if he ever wants to be that dominant in his career again, he needs to come back another year. Mm. It's not going to get better than this from a, responsibility performance perspective just because he's not going to have that kind of role in the NBA. So it's an interesting dynamic we've got going on here. And it's interesting because we got to the end of the season and apart from guys like, like the guys who made it to the national championship game weren't apart from maybe Ochai Baji, who in this particular mock is 12th to the Knicks actually um, apart from perhaps him it was like the guys who were sort of at the center stage were guys like Baycott like it was David McCormack with his with his you know one of the best performances of the entire tournament in the final four game it was Baycott you know getting that six double double it's not like when you look at the top seven guys, not even the top seven, the top 10, 11 guys before you get to Baji. I mean, Jaden Ivey was out, you know, and Purdue were out in the Sweet 16. 
Jabari Smith and Auburn were out in the second round. Paolo got to the to the final, final four. four, right? That game mm-hmm. was spectacular, but it's not like no matter what anybody did in that game, it wasn't going to be about any individual player. It was always going to be about Duke versus UNC, right? Chet, Sweet 16, Wisconsin, yep. not that far. Iowa lost in the first round. Arizona, Elite, no, Sweet 16, right? Houston, yep. Houston, yep. Mm-hmm. Um AJ Griffin was there as well, but again, the Duke UNC thing. So it's interesting, like the biggest and all of pretty much the big, like there aren't really any very many guys like sort of on the border when it comes to wing guys. Like you had a lot of really good wings this year and a lot of, you know, guards that were really good. That was like, oh yeah, those guys are going to the draft. It's the guys like the Baycotts and Sheboys of the world. That's like, okay, he has a decision to make um and either one would be right either one makes sense depending on how you're looking at it Mm -hmm. yeah all right okay before we continue you have to unearth you have to unearth what we did at the beginning of the year maybe maybe a quick refresher of how we did it what the point system was on our on our season-long fantasy draft that we did Yes, so we drafted a season-long fantasy draft that left Jabari Smith off the board, but that's okay. <laughs> yes, there were some inter- there were some interesting decisions that were made. That's another part of this that we have to have a, we have to think about which guys were left on the table yes. that we would be like, what in the world? Why did we leave them on the yeah. table? Oscar Shibway. Yes, I'm yeah, sure that, that Johnny the, Davis. Yeah, that was the thing that stood out to me as the National Player of the Year and Big Ten Player of the Year. Both were not selected. It's okay, Talk but you know. Me. Uh, Sheboy's teammate was yep. <laughs> Kellen Grady. Oh, really? Yeah, she took Kellen Grady. Did I really? Interesting. Yeah. Were there so, rules? I think there were rules, right? We had a certain, they, yeah, they, they, we were broken down into positions. Okay. okay. Yeah. So basically, it was a point for every four points you scored, and then a point for every two assists, steals blocks and rebounds okay more or less i got a little more technical with dividing it into lower point totals but okay. that was that was essentially how it worked and then you know conference player the regular season conference championship conference tournament championship ncaa tournament appearance final four national championship conference player of the year national player of the year national championship all americans okay i believe that was everything. Yeah. So the most valuable thing you could have was a first team All American. Okay. Gotcha. No, sorry. National Play of the Year, but that didn't factor into it because we didn't have one of those. So followed by a high major conference player of the year. That was eight points. First gotcha. team All American was 10. Gotcha. So that's kind of the world we're coming from. I will. You want me to go through the teams first, and then yeah. you can guess who won. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Your was team it close? Guess yes. was it close. Yes, okay. it was fairly close. I would argue. Okay. Your team was in no particular order: Marcus Carr, Johnny Juzang, Antoine oh, Davis, no. Jaden Ivey, Adam Flagler, Kellen Grady, JD Note, Jalen Ray, Chet, okay. Amani Bates, Julian Champany, Ochai Baji, Drew Timmy, Trace Jackson Davis, Armando Baker. There's some stinkers on there. There's some big time stinkers on <laughs> there. There are some that I will stand by. Yes. The, and the other the other thing is we we drafted 15, but we only scored 13. So the, the bottom okay. two got cut out. So no Amani, thank God. Was he? No. Was it? Oh, no. Yeah, Amani I think he, was getting... Yes, he did get cut, I believe. Yeah. Okay. My team okay. was Colin Gillespie, Remy Martin, Jaden Shackelford, oh, Max okay. Asmus, Andrew Nemhard, Kyle Lofton, Paolo, Jermaine Samuels, Timmy Allen, EJ Liddell, Patrick Baldwin Jr. That did mm. not work very well. Mm. Hunter Dickinson, Travion Williams, Kofi Coburn, Jalen Duran. Oh, you had Jalen Duran. That's a good one. He had a really good year. He just didn't have any. Yeah, well, he was way better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, he scored almost twice as much as Monty Bates did. So he got the, he got two points for getting to the NCAA tournament, but that's right. the other part to remember is right. There was, okay. Yeah. So would you like to take a guess? I think you won. Really? Yeah, you would be wrong. 
Really? Now, in fairness, it's because Ochai Abaji. Oh, was... I made it. Did you wait? Did I have Ochai too? Or yeah. Did you? you, you oh, so Ochai. I had two guys in the national championship game. Because I had yeah, Armando Baycott. So I had Gillespie, Martin, Bancaro. Okay. Mm. And but only one of those and Samuels that all made the final four. Okay. So I had more final four players. And thank goodness, Remy Martin, I drafted him, even though he didn't do anything statistically because I got the mm. national championship out of it. But mm. so to put this in perspective, Ochai Baji had 41.25 points. Was he the, is that the highest point earner, right? I mean, national uh, champion, big yes. 12 player of the year. The uh, second was Colin Gillespie at 27.5. Okay. So <laughs> having Ochai Baji basically, how many, how many points did I beat you by? It was two. 14.5 to 201.5. So that's 14. literally so that's literally the, the difference right yeah. there is that I had Ochag Baji and you did. Because you got everything, right? You got conference right. player of the year, you got first team all American national champion stats with good numbers, right? Stats, yeah. So man, that, that was, is that was literally it. Like if I don't have him, you win by one, or I win by one. But basically, basically that's it. That's that the was, difference maker, right? Yeah. There. So I think my team so who was the worst. So who was oh. the top five point performers for each of us? And then who got cut for each of us? So other top performers for you, Drew Timmy. Okay. And then Baycott. Yeah. Which makes sense. How many is Baycott like kind of in the middle of the pack if it's not for his final four? Yeah, still a little bit above average. Okay. And then the other one that stands out, oh, Jaden Ivey. Because he's second team All American, right? Okay. And Antoine Davis also scored well. He just had a bunch of points, right? And he was conference and I, conference I think player co-conference player of the year, right? Right. And then for me, it was Gillespie. Remy Martin ended up with twenty because of the national championship. Mm-hmm. Paulo had twenty three point two five, and Kobe Coburn had twenty five point two five because he was first team All American. So those were. Were some of the highlights? Yes, uh, players we failed to select included Oscar Sheepway. Okay, wait, wait, hold on, uh, hold on. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up Kim Palm's Player of the Year rankings. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, the top ten. We don't have the top two. Is, John, have is Oscar- Johnny Davis too? No, Johnny Davis is not on the Kim Palm Player of the Year list. Oh. Um. First is Oscar Shibway, followed closely by Keegan Murray. So neither of those uh, guys. Yes, that would be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we did have Drew Timmy, Chet, Holmgr- Chet Holmgren, and EJ Liddell, right? You took Liddell, yep. right? Mm-hmm. We did not have Orlando Robinson, the seven-footer from Fresno State. Nope. We had three of the, t- the final four on the top ten. We had Paolo, Kofi, and Armando with Tari Eason from LSU mm-hmm. being the ninth guy, which yep. there are some of those. I'm like, really? Tari Easton? Yeah. Um, in terms of game MVP leaders, here's who we didn't have. There are six guys, you know, there's a top six and there are like eight guys with 15 game MVPs. Keegan Murray was first with 22 game MVPs. Orlando Robinson was second. Then it was Walker Kessler. Yep. That was another one. He was on my, my list of possible possibilities and, yeah, Kendrick Davis, SMU. We'll talk yep. about him in a couple minutes because mm-hmm. he's a hot commodity right now. Um, Johnny Broom, who we will also talk about in a second from Moorhead State, also a guy who is um, who is just actually in the last 48 hours or so gotten it down to eight schools, and the list is hefty and, <laughs> and powerful. Um, and then it gets to the point, like, I mean, right, we were never taking David Roddy from Colorado State, even though he was going to have a fantastic season. That could have been like a Antoine Davis-esque pick, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, Malachi Smith from Chattanooga, Shibway was 15, gave MVPs along with EJ Liddell. But, yeah, so there were definitely some, ooh, how do we miss that one? I mean – I would I I I will I'll rephrase that. Oof, that's unlucky that we didn't pick him. There are so many players, and it's not like there were very many on our list that were big time stinkers. 
Yeah. And if between the three of us, the, between the two of us, so between the two of us, we had Baycott, Bancaro, Remy, Ochai Baji. We had, you said, I think we, between the two of us, we had like seven or eight Final Four guys. Yeah, I had both Gillespie and Samuels. Right. So, you know, between, you know, there are 20 starters in the Final Four, <laughs> and we had seven or eight, you know, seven or eight of them on our 15 guy fantasy teams. That's not bad. I'll take that. Yeah. There were just, it was, and I mean, nobody saw that kind of year coming from she boy. Of course he was going to be good, but there were also so many pieces mm-hmm. that it was hard to know he was going to do what he did. Walker Kessler also, I mean, you could have, you could have argued for the upside, but again, and even and Jabari Smith probably should have been taken probably especially after some of the guys that we ended up taking but i don't feel like i don't have that many regrets about the way things played out we just made some justifiable decisions that ended up being ill-advised <laughs> you know my favorite kempom thing is that we do that 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 they do on the site is similar age so, like, Oscar Shibuya's 2022 age on the site is 22.1 years. And it has a list of similar age guys. Like, similar age. Marco Santos Silva. Drew Gordon. Tyreek Jones. Like, the, like the, the, the Xavier Tyreek Jones. That's just so funny to me. That's such a random, like, like it has nothing to do with It just like why do why do we need to know the, the the similar age? Anyways, that is so they're not even necessarily because I feel like Marco Santos Silva has to be older than twenty two at this point. So is it? Oh no 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 no! It's a, it's at a that year point. thing. Yeah. yeah. So in the parentheses, okay. in parentheses is like Drew Gordon played college basketball in twenty twelve. Yeah, where, like okay. he was a similar age. In right. So they just put random a, a yeah. random point. This guy was a similar age. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so like I could pick like you and I could be on the similar list for Oscar Chiba. Right. And, anyways. Um. Anywho. But that's fun. Who are our, who were the two guys that we each left off the the table in terms mm-hmm. of of we didn't use them as points. Yes, so that would be Jalen Ray. That was a throwing it out there, bold pick. And then you had a couple guys at 6.5, Kellen Grady and Amani Baines. And then mine were... Yeah, my boy Jalen Ray went from 20 points per game last year to 13.4 this year. That's kind of tall. He didn't even start every game this year. Tall. Bye, guys, for Patrick Baldwin Jr. Mm -hmm. And Kyle Lofton, who I took similar to your Jalen Ray, and it just didn't didn't quite happen. So Kyle Lofton. The Bonnies. After like after like a week and a half, it would have been looking good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but Lofton also it. went backwards in yep. most statistical categories. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that though. I like that. That's a fun way to look back at the season mm-hmm. based on arbitrary fantasy picks that we picked that we took <laughs> that we made at the very beginning of the season. Um, okay, back to the transfer portal. Would you like to start with some of the best players still available as of the last couple of days? Would you like to start with some of the bigger decisions that have been made? Where would you like to go first? Can we start with the must bus? Let's start with the must bus. Talk to me about the must bus. I am on the must bus and might as well know what's happening. There's there's a lot of people getting on the must bus. (laughs) There's not all that much to say here. Obviously, this team is already loaded. We talked about that right after the national championship game, but the one spot you were really looking at with all of these guards and, you know, five-star guards and wings they're bringing in is, okay, what's the front court going to look like? So Eric Musselman proceeded to get the Mitchell twins from Rhode Island who are walking double doubles, Trayvon Brazil, who played 20 minutes over 20 minutes a game from Missouri and Jalen Graham from Arizona state. 
who are all mm-hmm. varying levels of large human beings mm. that are not going to impose in any way, shape, or form on all of these gifted players they have coming in that need the ball in their hands, at least some of them. But mm-hmm. they give you that experience. They're all proven, especially Jalen Graham. You've got a lot of upside there. This team just got even better, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a terrifying thought because they're already obviously top three preseason most of the most places, and for good reason because we'll see how everything ends up playing out in terms of what their roster actually is come you know September. But they are they are loaded, and it is a terrifying thought. So they they the one thing you were looking at is kind of interior depth, and they just got all the depth now. There's lots of depth, and it's also it continues to be a a commentary on rejuvenating your program on transfers and a good head coaching hire, right? It's just not the definition of being a good recruit, or I mean, sorry, not a good recruit, a good recruiter is so different than because it, like it used to be, right? You'll have a handful of really important transfers every year. And a lot of them, right, it's not like you are really all that in on, like, it kind of felt like, okay, yeah, that guy's transferring and then, well, there are like three schools he might go to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now that doesn't seem to be, now the sort of caveat is that guy's transferring and we're assuming he wants to go somewhere where he can either A, win or B, be the guy, one of the two. And that just fits a lot of the criteria in college basketball, right? There are, you know, a handful, you know, there are, you know, two dozen teams that think they have a real shot of being one of the five best teams in the sport next year, right? Maybe not rightfully so, but there are 25. If you're inside the top 25 at the beginning of the season, it's not a ridiculous thing to to suggest. And then you've got 328 other teams that like, yeah, you being the guy isn't all that you know, out of the realm of possibility if you were a bucket getter on the mid-major level. The point being is that if you get a good coach and who quickly turns around the direction of the program because he's a good recruiter specifically on the in the transfer portal and sees that as opportunity rather than a frustration when it comes to his making his or her job harder, right, um, then you can quickly put yourself in a position. I mean, we can talk about that with our beloved Butler Bulldogs. I mean, they, I mean, Thad Mata, busy already right transfers already coming in the other transfers in the conversation and it just doesn't seem as daunting to try to turn a program around not that arkansas is was ever especially in shambles and not that our beloved butler bulldogs i will argue are not especially in shambles they're just we were just blessed with like a decade straight of really high level basketball. And these things happen sometimes and Butler's not Duke. So like at some point it was going to happen. But I mean, when you look at who they brought in last year, when they look, you look in who they're brought in this year in this combination of transfers and, and a really, really good recruiting class. And all of a sudden you look like the team that is the team to beat next year. And it hasn't been very long since Eric Musselman stuck, stepped on campus. And apart from it being an SEC school with unlimited funds to get the job done, it's not like Arkansas has this historic basketball history that just sort of threads its way into success you know, on an annual basis. It's happened really quickly, and it doesn't seem to be so like that. No, not at all. If I, I mean, this is going to be the best team he's had, which is – a scary thought for everybody else. The other SEC thing I wanted to throw out there real quick before we go. Did you hear different... that? Did you hear that we got asked by um, LSU to come play for their basketball team since nobody uh, as well? Did you hear? Yeah, yeah that's, that's. I got the I... letter today. I got oh, the letter today. Wow. I went and bought new shoes from uh, the Nike outlet to to <laughs> let's go. And then they then they informed me that they were going to give me shoes, and I was like, oh, what a time to be alive. So I'm headed down to Baton Rouge tomorrow. That is going to be breaking (laughs) an incredible rebuilding job. Mm -hmm. uh, That's what sanctions will do to you, especially when 
you were recruiting the way Will Wade was, those guys aren't going to sit around. They are high, high level, you know, a bunch of four and five star recruits and we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how both that plays out for all of the players and whether any of them end up coming back and how that roster shakes out. How wild would that be if LSU just announced that they were like either a going to put their club basketball team on the floor or B was just not going to participate in the 2022, 23 college basketball season. Cause they couldn't feel the team. How wild would that be now? It's yes. not going to happen, but how wild would that be that? I mean, talk about something that would scare the bejesus out of a, you know, like that kind of thing, even though the NCAA can't control that, that kind of thing, but just pl- so you not being able to find enough players to play for you. And so you miss a season. That's pretty terrifying. That would, that yeah. would get me off my seat. I, I am sure there will be a way it's just going to probably sure be rough. Yeah. I'm sure it was not, but I'm sure there will be very few people excited about the LSU season, yeah. but they'll, it, it, they'll be fine. <laughs> they'll be, they'll be just fine. Sorry. And, I keep cutting you off. No, no, you're good. The, the other LSU thing before we get off this up, Brandon Murray is a Georgetown Hoya. And I love it. I'm here for it. Talk about somebody going somewhere to be the, the guy. guy. I mean, that is 100% a, I'm going to go and try to be the best player in the big East, even if we're not very good, but like, but like the other thing is it's not like he's going to go there and have the ball in his hands. He might have the highest usage rate in the country <laughs> next year. Like one of them, like 100%, maybe behind Antoine Davis. <laughs> and, uh, from a, from an NBA perspective, but you saw the flashes. You you went, oh, this guy looks like a future pro. Mm-hmm. Can you right? So can you do the the usage rate, carrying a team kind of thing to get the numbers to back up the potential? And then he's kind of got that combination and could very well talk and you know work himself into the lottery discussion. It, in next and the other draft. thing is, and the other thing is that right, Georgetown was horrible this year. If you win four conference games next year, that's a mm-hmm. W. Yeah. So it's not like it, it's not like there's any scout worth his, you know, worth his salt that is going to be like, well, that that team wasn't good, so Brandon Murray's not good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's not going to be a ton of that right. because even if they sniff a thirty-three percent win percentage in in conference play, that's going to be a W for. Mm-hmm. For Brandon Murray, the other thing that I think is a little underappreciated is that when you're a bad SEC team, they throw you on the SEC network and forget about you all year because there are so many teams and ESPN doesn't want the bad teams playing on their main networks. But when you're in the Big East, like there are four less teams, three less teams at this point, right? Still 11, yeah, yeah. right? So three less teams now, but still three less teams and like everyone is getting on fire between Fox, you know, the big games get on Fox, but you have a Fox sports one, you have some FS two, you have some CBS sports, sports network. <laughs> and it's just, it's just harder to forget about you when you're in the big East. And yep. um, I think that might have a little something to do with it. And right. The SC, the big East, I think proved this past year, especially with their postseason performance, like, Hey, we're an elite conference. Okay. And guys who come in here and play at a really high level would play at a really high level anywhere in the country um, from a conference perspective. And that Georgetown Villanova game always gets on big Fox. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. From the Verizon center, Verizon center. Is that where, I think that's where the, is it, I think is, it, the, is it still called that? I think so. That Washington, place has changed name so many times. Washington wizards arena. Capital One Arena. I, I can't remember if it's if it. I knew they were. I Is there a Verizon? At one point, was it, it Verizon it, yes, Center? Yes, I'm pretty sure it was. Okay, yeah. I'm looking at their names. I'm looking at the past names. Hold on. Nope, not tenants and events. I need the names. Wikipedia. I'm ninety-eight uh, percent sure. And in, in two, January twentieth. 2006 Verizon Communications purchased MCI and the arena's name was changed accordingly to Verizon Center. There you go. 
there you go. Anyways, so now we, that we've spent way yeah. too much time on the indoor arena in Washington, D.C., located in the Penn Quarter neighborhood. The other SEC thing I wanted to throw out there, Arkansas doing work in the portal. Unsurprisingly, Nate Oates also doing some work in the portal with, unsurprisingly, a very good recruiting class coming in. Mm-hmm. Mark Sears is going to be amazing in that system. What is with this? Can we talk about this for a second? Apart from being a really fun regular season team, like, what has Alabama done? With like, like, is it just... I mean, shouts to Nate Oates, but I'm a little confused by everybody wants to go play there. Is it just because they get up and down and they play sort of loose, fast, and free? And so if you're a guard or perimeter player, like that's kind of the place to go to be to show off some of your skills. I I, I don't I'm a little confused by it, to be honest with you. Not a ton confused. It's, it's also Alabama in terms of yeah, but it's sure, but it's also Tuscaloosa. No offense yeah, to Tuscaloosa. And, and Mark Sears is an Alabama native, so this is very much going home for him, it, it, specifically for him. I but, just, but, I, I'm, a, I'm a little – like, we're now two years – they almost lost Iona, and then they had another uninspiring performance in this year's tournament. That's all I'm saying. So you're saying in contrast to what Arkansas has been able to do in the NCAA Right. Because I can right. make the same argument of why would you want to go play for Arkansas. But you, they have NCAA – yeah. Right. You're right. That's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm getting – they're, you know, Alabama's been a top 15, top 25 team pretty consistently here. Sure. I, it's not that I don't get it. It's just yeah. kind of like when you really sit down and talk about why you should transfer to Alabama, how many bullet points are there really? That's all I'm saying. Apparently there were a lot for Mark Sears. Apparently there are enough that Mark Sears is going to go when he could probably have gone to anywhere that he wanted to. Yeah. And again, he's another one of those guards that's going to and probably provide a little bit more steadiness at the point guard position which is sometimes something that they struggled with particularly last year of mm-hmm. just making the offense run smoothly and going to help with the shooting struggles too mm-hmm. that man can shoot the basketball and there's a lot of you know all of this sort of up in the air with all of these guards and what they end up doing nba wise so to know you have this kind of reliable incredibly productive player is a very nice thing for NATO. It's heading into next season, regardless of how it all shakes out with their players from last year. Right. Certainly. Anything else in this SEC area? No. Okay. Let's talk as of 21 hours ago. Top some free of, agents. Some of the top free agents still available in men's college basketball. Um I've got a list here. I'm going to sort of bounce around it. Stop me if you want to add somebody in, if you want to, and I'll just kind of throw some out there. Um, Nigel Pack, Kansas state. Um, Perhaps one of, I mean, it's, you know, Bruce Weber resigning. That's kind of tough for Kansas state, right? They get this guy from Indiana who, who frankly probably exceeded expectations. I mean, first team all big 12 honor is like in terms of if you're hierarching, you know, it probably goes first team, all American, second team, all American, and then big 12, big 10 and big 12 first team. Like those, those two are probably, if you were to rank the hierarchy of the most prestigious first team, all conferences to be on, like that's a really hard all conference team to be a part of. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can think of 11 players off the top of my head that I would consider to be preseason, you know, guys who could possibly be on the first team, all big 12 team. Honestly, if you told me that you thought that the, the five Kansas starters had the <laughs> chance to be all first team, all big 12. I mean, like when you really think about it, it's not, yeah. we're talking Remy Barton, Jalen Wilson, Ochag Baji, Christian Brown, Brown. and Dave McCormick. Dave McCormick. That wouldn't, but my point being is that that's, that's a really, really good season in a, at a position that is right demands production. If you're going to be on the, on the first team uh, for your all conference anyways, um, Bruce, Bruce Weber resigning this spring. Nigel pack is on his way somewhere else, but good shooter can play on the ball, off the ball. And it's kind of one of those guys that you feel like is, 
is a plug and play anywhere and he's going to be really productive because he's a really good guard that can play next to a more on ball guy or have the ball in his hands next to an off ball guy and uh, going to be very valuable wherever he ends up. Yeah. If, if Jerome tank can somehow bring him back, that would be massive, Mm -hmm. but this is kind of, and it's just weird because this is kind of par for the course now, right? Is, your coach leaves, you put your name in the transfer portal. Doesn't necessarily mean you're actually going to leave. But just to keep those options open of who is this coach going to be? How does that relationship develop? If you're even remotely interested in coming back. And so there are, yeah, he's going to have plenty of options. There's all kinds of eligibility left. This isn't, this doesn't have to be kind of a one and done that missing piece for one season kind of thing, right? This is it's, it, more than anything else. It's going to be an NBA question of mm-hmm. how long is he in college basketball? So from the, from the value and upside in terms of looking back on this a couple, in a couple of years, there's a real argument. He is the single most valuable transfer player in the transfer portal because of what he could mean to your program in the next mm-hmm. few years. Agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, what kind of sucks is that, I mean, Butler was in the running for this. is I'm just, I'm leaning into it. Um, Butler was in the, the last round of cuts when it comes to where Nigel Pack was going to go to school and, you know, Nigel Pack being an Indianapolis native, Butler being in Indianapolis, it was part of his recruitment process. And now you just kind of think he's too good. You not, not, this is not him saying this. Don't, don't uh, get me wrong, but quite frankly, Nigel pack is might be too good for Butler in its current state. And, um, which is uh, so close. Imagine. so close. Um, but he is going to be a big, wherever he ends up, whether that's back at Kansas state, um, but more specifically, if he goes somewhere else to a team that maybe is lacking at the point guard spot, lacking at the guard spot a little bit, but is really strong elsewhere, all of a sudden you're looking at like he's the type of guy that can take a team from a fringe top 25, uh, you know, a back end of the top 25 to a top 10 caliber team competing to win, you know, and competing to win conference regular season titles and competing to, you know, feel like a real contender when, when you get to March, he, I, I think he's that good equally as good. And also from sort of the Southwest area, Midwest area of the country, uh, Kendrick Davis, yeah. right. A guy who I've been harping on this all year, Kendrick Davis, who initially was, you know, I'm going to test the NBA waters. Then on Monday it was, he's in the portal. Um, he said, you know, he is going to test out the draft process. Returning to SMU is not out of the equation. So a lot of different things that could happen with Kendrick Davis here, but considering how much talk Kendrick Davis is getting, it, it doesn't seem like people in the, in the, in the, around the sport think that it's likely that he'll stay in the NBA draft. It's, you know, it seems to be the front runners that he will come back to play college basketball and the sweepstakes for his services uh, that process has begun, uh, and there are a lot of teams who want to, who want to be a part of that and get a chance to, uh, have him on their team next year, because he's also the type of guy who can turn your team into a top 25 caliber team, into a team competing for national championships real quick. Here's the list of programs, uh, that Kendrick Davis is receiving interest from. I don't know if this includes everybody, but this is what Rothstein, John Rothstein on Twitter uh, this was a list he posted 14 hours ago. Um, Texas Tech, Kansas, UNC, Texas, Houston, TCU, Florida, Purdue, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Gonzaga, DePaul, Xavier, Texas A&M, NC State, Memphis, Maryland, Villanova, Oregon, BYU, Kansas State, Duke, Georgetown, and Louisville. <laughs> Listen, go to Georgetown, play with Brandon Murray, and turn it around court. immediately. <laughs> that would be some uh, kind of backcourt. But – all you need to know, I mean, we started with Texas Tech, Kansas, UNC, Texas, and Houston. 
And we hadn't even gotten to the Purdue's, the Gonzaga's, the Dukes, the Memphis's, the Villanova's, the Oregon's of the world. So there are a lot of really high profile programs that want this kid to come play for them. Yeah. And I'm, this is one of those situations where I'm, I'm excited for the possibility of him either going to, and you know, both of them were mentioned Memphis or Houston in terms of a higher profile AAC team or any of the other, most of the other options listed, Big 12, ACC, Big 10, just to get Kendrick Davis on a bigger national platform Mm -hmm. because he has been so good. And I mean, it's not like I watch him play. I don't tune into SMU games very often. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm watching AAC, it's I'm watching Memphis Houston. Mm -hmm. I still firmly believe this guy was the best player in the conference last year. And I said that at some point, I think on one of the, one of our podcasts, I don't remember when, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his. So I would love whatever, any of those schools pretty much, except for, you know, DePaul, I wouldn't be a huge fan of, but he'd get on FS1 and Fox at least and play some bigger games. But yeah, the, that list doesn't surprise me at all. He's going to be right there in terms of the most sought after recruits. And when you're looking at sort of, can you temporarily plug a hole mm-hmm. or can you, can you get that extra piece you need? If you're, for example, North Carolina, who in theory could bring back basically their entire roster, mm-hmm. depending on how things shake out, getting Baycott back was a nice start in that direction seems like things are trending that way or Villanova okay you're not going to have problem finding your point guard of the future but it doesn't there's not a clear one right now so getting him in immediately brings you back into contending to be the best team in the big east regardless of how that roster ends up looking next year Mm. Duke right you're going to lose a lot you've got a lot of talent coming in depending on again people's NBA decisions, how the roster shakes out, but he could be a really nice steadying force. Mm-hmm. There, there are so many different ways he can impact some of these rosters. And right, if he ends up going to Georgetown, all of a sudden those two guys completely change the conversation surrounding that program. So he is going to, he is a needle mover. Absolutely. And I am part of me really, if he wants to go back to SMU, good for him. I just, part of me wants to see, and I feel like that's why he's in the portal is to just see what kind of other possibilities are out there in potentially getting that, you know, going one more year, higher profile program, and then making that jump to the NBA. Agreed. I mean, he's going to wherever he goes, he's going to be a very important part of the way the sport looks this year, next year, assuming he is, he goes somewhere that you know with a, a program that always has already has the foundation to make a run next year he's going to impact the sport in a big way real quick i have to apologize to lsu i will be joining not nobody not just mac mac Mahan, but also justice williams justice williams on his way back after going to the portal this was like 13 hours ago i apologize but justice williams for for, for the, wow former Mount Verde guy 20 games this year, 10 minutes a game. Listen, is it, is it a, just a gut check to the rest of the country? No, but uh, shouts to Matt McMahon, right? When it comes to this, this is what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build a program and getting anybody to come back. Is yep. is a win for sure. So I apologize, Matt McMahon. I will be more than happy to share the to share the backcourt with Justice Williams. I'll be more than happy, more than happy. It'll be great. But anyways, moving on. So Kendrick Davis, Nigel Pack, two really big guys here. Um, you've got a collection of, and, and you always have a collection of mid-major guys, right? That's that's not a, that's not that's not unique to this year, but. Between Kenneth Lofton Jr. at Louisiana Tech, this is the guy who uh, kind of got 
you know, kind of got some buzz in the summer because he was playing on, you know, the the same teams that like Paolo was playing on and Jaden Ivey. Um, he's leaving Louisiana Tech, or at least in the transfer portal. Um, but, you know, and then you have guys like Johnny Broom at Moorhead State. Murray State had a bunch of guys leave. KJ Williams, of course, on that list as well. But as you go down the list, there are a lot of really – Really, really good. Tristan Newton at East Carolina, who has recently committed to UConn, a guy who was a like a 17, five and five guy last year at East Carolina. Um, there's a lot of high level talent. And you know how I feel about going from mid-major to high major conference to high major college basketball from a production perspective. But if nothing else, um, there are a couple of guys here at the top of this list that you have to stop and pause to, uh, to, to, to take a look at where they might go and where they might impact the sport next year. Yeah. And Kenneth Lofton jr. Is one of those guys who just put up massive numbers. And so he was always sort of in that conversation of best mid major players in the country, but Mm -hmm. he wasn't at a place that would from a success standpoint, allow that sort of national platform that, Max Eastman Scott last year, for example, or John Morant right. got at Murray State. You know, you can go even David Roddy to a certain extent this year with how good Colorado State was. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had that kind of thing. They're not a top 25 team, you know, NCAA tournament, that kind of stuff. So that's another one that name carries a lot of weight. He could be a real impact player. To me, he's sort of the the third guy in this trio of the biggest available players still out there along with Pack and Davis. So we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. He's another guy that'd be cool to see what he can do against that higher level competition, just because, I mean, he just hasn't had the opportunity to sort of get the, the exposure that he deserves based on what he's done at Louisiana Tech. And he's also just going to be fascinating because he's six seven two seventy five. Yes, right. he's, so a, no matter- right. he's a very, a very specific and rare kind of player. Yeah. Yes. So I am just, I'm just fascinated to see what, what he looks like at a higher, like a, you know, at a higher mid-major level or a, a higher or a high major level, uh, because he is a unique, a unique college basketball player. And, and even just how he's used. Right, yeah. Right, because he's listed as a 6-7 center. Right. I'm just not sure that's going to work against Purdue, for example. You know? <laughs> they might have to sort of change. You can you can maybe get away with that playing at Louisiana Tech. Mm-hmm. You get into some – it's particularly the Big Ten with all of these ginormous human beings that always seem to show up in that conference. There's, there's, there's a lot of very interesting aspects to this, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, Johnny Broom, 27 and 12 in the 2021 VC championship game. That's kind of where his allure began. Um, Brim protector blocks a lot of shots and he's going to be a, a, a really high caliber front, you know, front court piece for wherever he ends up. Um, hold on one second. I saw a graphic just a couple minutes ago about where his final eight are. One moment, please stand by. Um, Johnny Broom, 16.8, 10.5 rebounds, four blocks a game last year. And his final, his final eights read as such Duke, pretty good. Gonzaga, pretty good. Uh, Louisville and Florida checks out Houston. Pretty good. Auburn, pretty good. Memphis, pretty good. And Kentucky, I heard that basketball team is pretty good too. Um, so he's got eight programs that, right, he's got the program that has been led by Coach K for the last 40 years. He's got the program led by John Calipari. He's got Memphis. He's got the program led by Bruce Pearl and perhaps the most successful program of the last 10 years from anybody not named Villanova in Gonzaga from a just sheer number of wins perspective. There are a lot of really good basketball tip programs that would like uh, for Johnny Broom to play basketball within the next year. And 
a couple of those, you can easily see sort of that replacement. Mm-hmm. Partic- I'm thinking particularly Gonzaga. And Auburn. And Auburn. Yes, that was the other one, right? Walker yep. Kessler, right. With Walker Kessler, I mean, they're both those teams are losing their front courts. Yep. Theoretically. Theoretically, so, right. I actually heard Drew Timmy's probably coming back. That <laughs> same mock draft, Drew Timmy's second to last pick. Yeah. It's he's going to be an interesting one at the next level. So there are now Kentucky, for example, a little bit more interesting with the Sheboy situation and what ends up happening there. But there are absolutely some spots that there are, there's a need immediately. And then you also have the, the idea of Kenny Payne now taking over at Louisville and trying to get that program back to where it should be there. Are, yeah, that is, that is an interesting and very accomplished group of eight teams there. Mm. 100%. Uh, and it, I have, and then, you know, the, the other one we'll throw in there specifically KJ Williams at Murray state uh, draft process, but uh, draft process guy, but uh, he's going to be one of the best players to change the team this off season. If he comes back another four court player, Murray state, um, but that's uh that's another guy from a team that played really really well this year uh that is in the transfer portal uh as a mid-major guy that's going to make an impact somewhere else and and you would expect that he will leave giving the coaching change and what's going on with that program in the past few months so yeah another impact player and then also you you have i'll throw him out there too terrence shannon my gut says if he doesn't go to the NBA, he's coming back to Texas Tech. But it's another, I'm going to explore all the options and then decide, which I do appreciate the, the fact that you can now go through the NBA process without giving away your eligibility. So you just, mm-hmm. you put your name in the portal, see what options are there. You go through the NBA process, get your feedback, and then you decide. And ultimately, like Kofi Coburn did last year, you can just go back to where you started and yeah. no harm done, or you can look at some other options and sort of know where, what you need to, to do to sort of change the mind of NBA scouts moving forward. So I like the, the versatile form this process is now taking. And now I now welcome you to a segment of the pod and we'll be, we're kind of on the, let's just, we're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, but I'd like to invite you to a new segment. I'd like to call, This transfer portal center of formerly uh, former Illinois guards, Andre Cabello, who is perhaps like I am fat, like that he has St. John's written all over him, <laughs> or Seton Hall, or like he has douse him in red and white, call him the Red Storm. I'm really good in non-conference. I'm a train wreck in conference. St. John's written all over him. See, I want him at Seton Hall, though. I want to see what Shaheen Holloway can do with him. That's fine. We can go there too. But you gotta, you gotta be honest here. It kind of fits the bill up there in in Queens, Queens. I'm just saying. Yeah, and it fits into the whole right preseason hype around St. John's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one I'll say, who is actually higher rated by Two Four Seven Sports in the current transfer portal, is Adam Miller a guy who was also part of that, who was a freshman along with Curbelo on that Illinois team that a lot of people, whether rightfully or wrongfully. So like that was an Illinois team that when we got to the ter- the tournament, there were a lot of people saying, Hey, I kind of think Illinois has yep. a chance to win. The, you know, he is going to win the national championship game. And Miller um, was the better player. It's easy to forget right. that, but he had the better right. freshman season. Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo. Those two guys were, were, good freshmen and kind of guys that you're just like, okay, this is the next iteration of right. Brad Underwood kind of has this thing going like, right. Io DeSumo has gone after this year, more than likely, but you know, even if Trent Frazier comes back, you've still got these really two young guys in the backcourt Coburn's around for a few more years. And now Adam Miller lasted one more year. Um, and, you know, didn't last, it didn't stay another year. Andre Cabello lasted one more and here they are in 2022, both in the transfer portal. And now Sky Clark is there to take over the ranks. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. 
my, my yeah. final oh no, yeah oh. i was gonna ask you that very question you got any anywhere else you want to touch on before we just before we wrap up here r.i.p to st peter's dude the mustache man himself has already committed to bryant the Drame twins, Clarence Rupert, Matthew Lee, and Daryl Banks are all in the portal. And you have to assume they're all gone, considering there wasn't a clear succession. I saw somebody make this point, and I don't remember who it was, but it's valid. Of y- You had to know Shaheen Holloway was gone. Why is it taking – there wasn't a sort of proactive, quick solution and sort of plan moving forward, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And so – yeah, I am. I am fascinated by this too, of exactly how how this plays out and where these guys end up, because clearly they proved they can play. There's also a reason they were playing at St. Peter's. Right. You know, they are not going to have the same kind of lists that you've read off for the Kendrick Davises of the world. I mean, I mean, Doug Eater, it took him 48 hours to commit to Bryant. No, right. no offense to Bryant, but like Bryant last year finished. All right. Take your bets. Take your bets. Where did Bryant finish in Kempom last year? 137th. 89th. 189th. Oh, oh, oh okay. the other way. 189th. Um, but my point being NCAA tournament, shots, Bryant's whatever. It's fine. But my point being that, um, right, it's an interesting, I mean, when, when that's the reality of your situation, that's, that's a really tough place to be for St. Peter's. But um, to your point, they'll probably, you know, they'll find their ways to other mid-majors more than likely. And, you know, hopefully we'll, maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see Doug Eater again in a Bryant uniform, rocking a mustache and a beard. Maybe he goes full beard. You think Bryant, <laughs> you think Doug Eater can grow a beard? You think it's a, I only oh, grow yeah, mustaches I it, or yeah. I can't grow a beard. I can grow a mustache. No, if he can do that with the mustache, I've got confidence. He can do that. Uh, you would think, right? It's gotta be anyways. Anyways, that is a good point. That is, that is kind of a, that is a tough immediate reality for the assist, for the athletic director at St. Peter's like, Oh, right. That was really awesome. We'll always be one of the, we'll always be the Cinderella that Cinderella's for the next 50 years, maybe not 50, but like for the next decade, at least this St. Peter's team will be the team that Cinderella's are compared to. Mm-hmm in the NCAA tournament. And that's a cool thing to be, but I'm sure it was very quickly. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, Seton Hall is waiting for us to lose so they can right. hire our coach. And Shaheen Holloway is already right. That like, and he's going to say yes. And guys are going to transfer. And it's kind of the big massive elephant in the room. Right. And that's just kind of tough that I am sitting here while my basketball team is in the sweet 16. Thinking about not even this, excuse me, the elite eight. Um, the, my basketball team is in the elite eight as a 15 seed. And I'm sitting here thinking about who I'm going to hire next. Like that's, that's just kind of, that's kind of tough, Yeah. but I think I'm out of things. I think I'm out. I'm not positive about that, but I'm pretty sure I'm out. I'm out of things to say. Um, you know, other apart from, you know, recently Benedict Mathurin off to the NBA draft, that was, that was always coming. Um, You've had some of those things. Samuel Williamson, former uh, five-star yep. recruit at Louisville, he's on his way to SMU. Um, we talked about Tr- uh, Tristan Newton to UConn, um, but uh, apart from that, I got I'm I'm pretty much pretty much out of stuff. How are you feeling about attending a real non-playing Grizzlies? dude it's gonna be lit i'm so like i keep seeing this crap on twitter about how good of a matchup like 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 how awesome a patrick beverly john morant matchup is gonna be like are you kidding me right now are you kidding me grizzlies in five (laughs) sharpie who is it is it who is it seth davis who does the name and then sharpie Mm -hmm. right um yeah (laughs) yeah i i'm so excited um it's been a really long time since I've, since I've been in the building for a Grizzlies playoff game where people thought there was a chance to go a long way because 
the most recent playoff game I was at was when the Grizzlies were really, really good. And then halfway through the season, Mike and Mike got hurt for a stretch and then Mark broke his foot. And so he was out for the rest of the season. But the Grizzlies at that point were like third in the Western Conference. They lost like 20 of their last 21 games <laughs> and still were the seventh seed because they seven or eight seed because they had won so many games early on. They just sort of free fell from third to seventh or eighth. But like it was one of those years where like the ninth team was like 40, you know, 14 games under 500. So it didn't matter. Um but we played the Spurs and got dispatched in four because nobody was playing. Like it was basically the, it was the Grizzlies team that had just gone one and 20 and to, to finish the season. <laughs> right. right? Um, so I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, I can't wait. And it's one of those, one of those things that I'm going to sit there and be like, man, this is, this is really awesome. Especially after the last couple years from a, on the global scale, not the Memphis Grizzlies franchise arc. No, um, that I it's going to be really, really cool the, to be in the building. The the the, you know, the growl towels, the, um, you know, it being absolutely packed. It, it, I haven't been to a truly full Memphis Grizzlies game in the forum since probably 2016, 2017. And uh, so I'm really, really excited for that. It's going to be great. It's a very interesting matchup. It is, but the Timberwolves just finished seventh in the let's not get carried away here. I, it's going to happen. There's going to be a bunch of this like, well, the Grizzlies are young. Yeah. Oh, I've already seen it. Dude, Cat just like Cat took a dump on the floor in the playing game. He is not. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Not worried about it. Jaron Jackson, first team all defense. I'm not worried about it, um, but I'm, I'm pumped and I'm ready to be obnoxious about it, to be honest about it, to be honest with you. Um, because I knew this was coming. I knew there was going to be like this. Well, I don't know about the Grizzlies. They're kind of young. Um, okay, great. 57 wins. Like what, like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Okay. I'm done being obnoxious for the time being. I hope you have a wonderful time. It's going to be so great. It's going to be, going to be so great. I think I'm out. Are you out? I am out. Cool. Please subscribe to the Jace for Days podcast, now podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jace for Days Pod. And we will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Jace for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we'll see you later.